Welcome back to the Cruise Elite Podcast. In this episode, I talk with my friend, Lila LaPagna. She's a professional alpine ski racer and a member of the Strength and Mobility Dojo. We've been working together almost five years, and over that time, I've witnessed Lila accomplish some amazing things in regards to her health and performance. In this episode, Lila talks about the process that she's gone through, including the struggles she's faced, such as dealing with chronic pain, injury, and even restoring her menstrual cycle through making better nutritional, training, and lifestyle choices. This is a good one that I'm happy to bring you. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Lila, what's up? Hey, Taylor Cruz. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited to have you here on the podcast. We've been talking about this for quite a while and now it's happening and it's actually really good timing for you because you're on a little break if that happens in your life we'll consider this a break two weeks right yeah we'll consider it a break (laughs) yeah so um this is going to be a fun podcast just to give like we have a lot of history to give our our listeners here for sure and i'll let you talk about you know who you are as an athlete um and kind of give people you know your background and stuff but i will say you're a professional athlete and you and i have been working together now for i think it's probably a little over four years does that sound right yeah i was trying to find figure out the exact dates but i think it's around four or five years at this point yeah so yeah so it's it's been a while we've you've had a chance to work with me in so many different capacities at this point i honestly don't even know if i have worked with a single individual who has kind of been around the block right with all the different things that i like to do and all the different types of uh training that i like to offer you've kind of had uh, a taste of it all and you've really embraced it and lived it and you're very dedicated to it and so this is going to be an awesome chance to talk to you because you know i want to hear your side of things and i want to i want to talk about all the obstacles and things that you've been able to overcome with uh, all the wonderful changes that you've been able to make over these years with your training and your nutrition habits and there's so much right there's so many different ways that we could take the the conversation but could you uh could you just begin by letting our listeners know who you are and what you do as a professional athlete. Yeah, absolutely. I am a professional alpine ski racer. I've been racing competitively on the international level since I was about 16 when I first made the U.S. ski team. I have three national championship titles and I've been racing on the World Cup circuit for pretty consistently for the last six, seven years now as an independent athlete at the highest level representing the United States of America. And yeah, this has been my journey, my life since the beginning. I haven't, I've committed fully to being an athlete and uh, this has been the opportunity of a lifetime to really delve in and explore who I am as a person and just elite athletics and how to stay healthy at the highest level while also being able to perform at the highest level. And like you said, we've been working for a while together and I've been so grateful because we've been able to kind of complete or fulfill a lot of the gaps that I felt was missing in professional sports that I think athletes 
over the next decade or so might might start seeing you might start seeing more of more of it in athletics but i think we're a little bit ahead of how the industry is working and that's been really valuable for me to to be able to learn so much from you in these last couple of years for sure it's been it's been really fun um before we even keep going on that can you because this is kind of an exciting time for you you're in season and so you've you've been competing this is uh like we said before, this is like a two week break for you, but can you tell us um, about your season? Because it's been exciting for you, especially the last say month or so. Is that right? Yeah. The last month has been, well, let's rewind to November. So racing is a very intense sport. We have a really demanding schedule. We race from about November until March or April. And then during the summer, we do a lot of on snow training and basically we only have like a month off in the entire year. So going into this season, I actually had a recurring back injury happen to me in November that you and I worked on and we did a really good job kind of reducing the threat and getting me out of pain. It took a little bit of time, took me out of a couple races, but I uh, came was able to come back really strong from this injury and it's an interesting one that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit in this podcast later on, because I think it's relatable to a lot of people who do deal with back pain and how to manage that. Right. But after that, I was, wasn't sure if I was going to continue racing this year. I, I, you know, I'm 29 years old. I've been doing this for a while and I got to a point where I wasn't sure if it was worth pushing my body to the limit that it needed to be pushed to for the results that I needed to continue. I wanted to be healthy. And that's something that I've really learned working with you is I don't want to sacrifice my health to be able to perform, but I knew that I still had some goals and I wanted, I had some, uh, some things that I wanted to achieve this year. And so going into this last month of racing, we were racing, the, I, I started with the Europa Cup circuit, which is one step down from the World Cup and Olympic level racing in our sport. And I needed a top 10 result in those races to qualify for the next World Cups. And up until this point, I think my best result was maybe 14, like seven or eight years ago. So very competitive circuit. All of these ladies with all want the same spot that I want. And I was able to go into these races feeling kind of at the peak of my game better than ever and finished with a fourth and a sixth result that allowed, yeah, that allowed me to start in the next world cup races. And then from there just carried into some top 30 results at the world cup, which uh, when you're top 30, that's kind of the marquee place to be in our sport. That's where you can, you play at the highest level of our sport. Uh, That's the, that's the goal in our sport is to break into this top 30 in the world and then start working your way up to top 20, top 15, top 10, and eventually be gunning for the podium. So it was a really successful month of racing and it was really fun to experience that success after almost giving it all away in November after my back injury. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm super pumped for you. I'm excited to see where this goes because you're definitely, you've got some momentum right now for sure. Okay, so let's change gears a little bit. Um, Lila has literally, as I was saying before, kind of experienced all that I do and offer as a coach. Um, You know, I think it was, you know, about four and a half years ago, 
Lila showed up at my door in person with uh, with one of my best friends and, and one of my mentors, Tom, who I've talked about in previous podcasts. And um, you've known Tom for a while. And yeah, and you met him through racing, right? I did. Yeah, I met him after, through one of my coaches who also respected him as a mentor. And Tom would always talk about this guy, Taylor Cruz. And I'm like, okay, who's who's Taylor Cruz? He would show me videos of you crawling on the grass and all this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I kind of want to meet this guy, but I never <laughs> expected to actually, you know, be introduced to you. It was, you were just someone he talked about all the time. Right. So you came out in person to do some training with him and he was like, this is a great opportunity to introduce you to Taylor. And so Lila shows up at my door and um, we had already previously talked a little bit before that. And, and she was going to try out doing some of our um, us just working together. And um, I was going to do some programming for her. And so she shows up and, and that's how the whole thing started. And so Lila and I have had a lot of one on one in person time coach to athlete. We've also worked together and still work together online. So we do a lot of like virtual, you know, sessions and stuff. Lila has experienced all of the training that I do, but also has gone really, really deep into the neuro side of things. So many of our listeners now know at this point that as a coach, and a uh, movement professional, everything that I do is basically neurocentric, meaning we look through a brain-based lens, trying to figure out how to help a person improve their health and performance based on their brain and their nervous system. Lila's gone super deep into that with me. She probably doesn't even understand at this point how much she knows about applied neurology, but it's a lot. And so we have just really blended a lot of things together to help her improve her health and her performance. So as I was saying, there's so many ways we could take this conversation. But the first question I have for you, Lila, is what do you think the most important things or thing? It's up to you. Um, what are the most important things that you've taken away from our work and education together? And we'll kind of let that sort of take us into a flow of, you know, whatever we decide to um to discuss yeah we might have to do multiple co podcasts to discuss i know i know about but the most important takeaway i i really i think the biggest one was the education on what pain is right and kind of second to that is just learning about how 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 to use the applied neurology whether that's with me metabolism that's a big one that we can talk about metabolic health mm -hmm. um training decision making with training and how the brain kind of rules everything dictates everything fuel right. of the brain like how to how to fuel the body uh in a way that goes just beyond what people think of of fuel which is you know typically food uh, those awarenesses, that awareness, simply having that awareness that there, there is a way to look at pain that is positive and non-threatening and not scary. And there is a way to fuel your body and to take care of your health that can improve your, your lifestyle. Though those, th that's probably been the biggest takeaway for me and where I've learned the most. And, and once you go to, 
applied neurology training, it's impossible to go back. You look <laughs> into the industry, you look at, I look at other athletes and see what they're doing and it's working for them because they're consistent with their programs and they trust it. But there's a whole expanded world that once you open up that door to, to pain education and to, to really fueling your, your, your brain and your body the right way, you, your brain, you literally, your mind literally gets blown and you have so many opportunities that get like so many ways to unlock your health and performance that weren't available before. You just can't go back to normal traditional training ever again. It's true. It's true. It's literally the thing that's kept me in the industry as a coach. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah it just, it's just like, it's so easy as a coach to get bored in the fitness and performance kind of space because we already know a lot of the good stuff, right? And we know a lot of good training principles and, um, but you kind of get bored and then you also, you kind of see that there's gaps to be filled and there's a lot of questions that come up and there's not a lot of good answers for those questions. So I'm right with you. Like once I got into the applied neurology stuff, that's when a lot of questions started to get answered for me. And it's definitely kept me um, super inspired and excited as a coach. So yeah. you said something interesting when we when you first mentioned some of the some of the big takeaways. One of them was decision making, and and that's kind of where I wanted to go right now because. When I think back to what it was like to meet and work with you at the very beginning, I was asking myself questions like, oh, can she, can she hang around? Can I entertain her long enough to help her? <laughs> because when we first met, I would describe you as like kind of a ping pong ball. Yeah. You, were, you were in the search for something better than what you had. And, and something, yeah, something that could help you improve your health and your performance. And so you were kind of bouncing around all over the place looking for that. And you weren't sure if you had found that yet. And observing you as the coach, I was like, geez, I, I hope that I can help her sort of get grounded enough and trust the process enough so that she's, uh, so that we're working together long enough so that she can really get the benefits and we succeeded yeah but... <laughs> you, you lured me in with all of your cool brain things <laughs> but it was it was challenging at the beginning <clears throat> and i remember when we first got started you know it was it was a lot of like little chronic pain things that were coming up for you you know we often call them niggles you know it was your back then it was your knee it was your hip and early on i remember you came out here in person we worked together maybe for a week or two, two weeks probably. Mm -hmm. And then you were off to some training. I forget where you went, but you were on snow. And I remember getting a text from you and you were like, I can't walk today. And I was like, what do you mean you can't walk? And you were like, my hip, my, my hip is so bad, I can't walk. And I started, it was like in that moment, I started learning about all the little chronic pains that were following you around and really fluctuating. And that was interfering with your decision making as an athlete because it caused you to sort of not be sure. You didn't have a whole lot of confidence. Um, once pain would come up, you know, you might do something to try to address it, but then 
it would cause you to then go to the next thing, right? You were constantly looking for, you know, answers. And now you're totally different. You've, <laughs> you've come so far with what you've learned and what you've accomplished with your body, becoming better at movement, building a toolbox to help you deal with all those uh, niggles as they come up. It's totally different and you're so much more grounded about it um can you talk a little bit about that yeah that what's interesting about that is all of those niggles that i still have the same ones now you know seven five years later but there's education behind them right so when the niggle comes up or when i'm feeling the pain in my body and there was no injury event where i didn't crash or i didn't you know do something athletically induced to create it I'm like okay this is a threat response and this is bubbling up and i have my spots in my body based off of my movement patterns history my my sport i know where my spots are and typically when i have pain they're always in those spots at the beginning right. the fear of the unknown was really what debilitated my decision making and i just i didn't I didn't know what to do because I didn't completely trust the medical industry. I didn't want to go down the route of taking drugs or getting injections or get caught in the vicious cycle of getting imaging or surgeries, which have all been thrown my way uh, multiple times. And I just felt like there had to be another way to get healthy and there had to be another way to, to manage the, the pain that I experienced as an athlete and to improve it without uh you know getting surgery or getting injections or i just i just always felt there was something else and like you said i was i was really searching because i had been on my own for a while i didn't have a, a consistent strength and conditioning coach or or training program and so i was really in exploration mode as an athlete and i was open to absolutely everything and you were the first person that started to explain to me why, like the why of, of why these things come up, why this pain comes up, what it means, uh, what pain actually is, how it, it's, it's a threat response. It's a trigger of the brain not feeling safe. And now fast forwarding to now, that, that knowledge itself can sometimes reduce my pain, you know, within days or even hours, just knowing like, okay, so I'm waking up, my hip really hurts today. Wow. Well, it didn't hurt yesterday. I didn't do anything crazy. So then I start to ask myself questions. I said, okay, how am I sleeping? How am I eating? Like what has happened in the last couple of days that may have upregulated my nervous system to the point where things are spilling over and I need to relax or I need to go for a walk or do, you know, like you said, tap into that toolkit of things that help regulate my nervous system. And ultimately I have a pretty sensitive nervous system that responds really quickly to stimulus. And so with that quick response to stimulus, also pain can come really fast too. But now right. to, this, to make the decision to just say, okay, like it's here. I'm not afraid of you. Hey, pain. What's up? Like, ow, shoulder that hurts or my right knee that kind of sucks. But, uh, I know that I'm not in trouble and I know that I can work through this. And I just, like you said, feel so much more confident about that based off of our education. 
yeah, yeah. that's 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 good stuff um you know the whole threat bucket concept it's it's so good i mean it's so it's it's such a nice way to understand how holistic our health is and you know personally i i use it the same way that you do you know when i wake up and all of a sudden it's like hey left knee pain what the heck like yeah <laughs> jujitsu was hard yesterday but i didn't have an injury event what does this mean and i think that it's so it's so helpful when you can understand pain where it comes from and just how your brain and body is is responding to like what you said um the idea of being under threat right when your brain doesn't feel safe and I've been talking a lot about the the threat bucket in previous episodes and and talking about like some of the tools that are in our toolbox. You and I have had a ton of different experiences together where we have reduced threat for your nervous system in your brain. Um, you, a lot of times when we're trying to deal with some of the pain that comes up from you know training stress, um, all types of stress. But do you have a specific memory? of i mean we there are so many (laughs) but do you like i'm sure but do you have a specific memory of like a drill session that we've done that helped um reduce your pain for any of your niggles or injuries whatever gosh it's so fat because there's there's short-term stuff like with the pain in the moment and then there's the long-term stuff like healing the the metabolic health like the long-term threat that's really transformed my whole life in a positive way so I have like a I have a long term one that I can think of. I yeah. have a couple short term ones. Do, is there one? In, would you prefer one over the other? No, no, just go for it. And I definitely do want to talk about the uh, the metabolic health though, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, really quickly, the, a short term one would be probably with my back, like because I don't have a specific injury that a doctor can see on an MRI and be like this is the source of your back pain. We need to do surgery. You need injections. This will heal everything. It's always been, okay, well, I pulled my back in a training course and I'm completely debilitated. I cannot move. I am in total safe mode. And I remember being, this was last year, two years ago in November, just working through a stack, stacking drill of breathing, and stimulus into onto my right side, into my right ear, doing sound, yeah, sound stimulus, right? Sound, sound stimulus, yep. And doing a femoral nerve glide, and just being in a very acute phase of pain, and going through that cycle, retesting, and feeling immediately better, like having range of motion restored, even though there was still pain, range of motion started to come back, and that's that's a big one for me. Uh, when there is pain or when the body is seized up, if you can do a drill and you're the biggest cues that I feel in my body are when range of motion increase or speed increases. Like there's almost, there's just less hesitation. Yep. I remember that session. So actually was that, that wasn't long after your, your first, uh, back issue, right? Yeah, that was, uh, yep, exactly. That was like maybe two, uh, a week and a half, two weeks after. Yeah. I remember this. You came to the session and, um, this was an online session and you, you basically were like frozen. You could not bend over. Yeah. Frozen and, tears, very emotional. Like, yep. All the stuff, all <laughs> the stuff that happens, you know, with, uh, with pain and injury. And, and I remember saying to myself, okay, we don't really know how serious this is, this is yet, but something that always kind of 
clues me in on the severity of things is how well and quickly a person will respond to the right types of stimuli. So we started doing the drills and you started getting good responses. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a good sign because your brain is willing to grant you better movement with less pain. And that's, that's that idea of, okay, your threat bucket is full. It's overflowing. Um, maybe there was an injury. Maybe there wasn't. We don't really know yet. Let's start drilling it and see what happens. And so through that assess, reassess process, we started getting some good responses. And it certainly wasn't like, okay, we're done here. Everything's fixed. It started a process. But I remember you coming to that session and being like so stiff, you could hardly do anything. And then you were touching your toes by the end of the session and feeling a lot of emotional relief yeah hope. because Very right wonderful. hope right that's it that's that's it you're feeling <clears throat> hope right um that's uh that's awesome and we've had gosh of all the of all the athletes that i've worked with i don't think anybody has gone as deep into the neuro drilling as you and i have we've created some really really crazy neuro drills yeah. Um, that have done some cool stuff for you. But let's um, let's shift gears now and talk more about metabolic health because to me, this is the big one for you. Yes. This is the big one for you. So um, when, you, when we first met and we were talking history and stuff, you were starting, you, you had said some things to me that initially made me start thinking about your metabolic health. And I remember the first session we ever did together, the first exercise I gave you was a breathing drill. And you were like, yeah, but I wanted to do something like super explosive and fast and like athletic. And I was like, yeah, just just do this breathing exercise. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, you'll you'll understand in four years. um, You you actually understood uh, much sooner than four years. But let's uh, let's talk about your metabolic health, because you've made some amazing progress there and i think it's helped you in so many different ways this is a big one because i feel like the training doesn't even matter if you're not metabolically healthy like Mm. don't even bother really going to the gym or pushing yourself athletically if you're not taking care of your 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 metabolic health because short term you're going to be fine your body is your brain and your body are incredible at compensating and they that's for sure they will do their darn best to to keep you in a place where you stay alive and you can perform, but there's going to be some sort of consequence down the road. And I reached my, I, I I was feeling those consequences of just growing up as a as an athlete, a very active person, being in the you know U.S. ski team system and going through that training and especially being pushed into really extreme. Uh, cardiovascular training, you know, uh, I don't, I'm spacing on the official word that they would use for it, but I just, I I was really pushing my body and I, I was addicted to training really hard and it was a compensation. And I was really, after working with you and starting to be aware of what my metabolic problems were, I had no idea how bad it actually was until you brought it to light. So I had always struggled, you know, with um, weight fluctuations, body image stuff. I had struggled with like just food in general, um, with needing the need to train, like not being able to relax, being having to to do crazy interval training uh, and 
just other other things like just you know even something like you know bowel movements and all of these little things that make or sugar cravings were crazy uh and and so all of these little things that i didn't know metabolically that were really were affecting me so much and that's where i start one of the biggest things i said at the beginning that i learned about with you is is fuel and how fuel takes the form of much more than just putting something in your mouth and digesting it fuel can be sunlight exposure fuel can be the breathing breathing is a huge source of fuel um fuel can be movement but the uh, the right kind of movement for your body that isn't creating more stress and you at know, the right and, dose, right? At the right, right dose. dose. That like, was gonna, it, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say minimum effective dose. I have used that term so much with my training. And I, I am probably queen of minimum effective dose right now to a, to a fault sometimes where I'm like, sometimes I'm like, hey, am I doing enough for like, you know, to throw myself down a mountain at 50 miles an hour down a steep icy slope? And ultimately the answer is yes. But sometimes I do so little with my training. I'm wondering if I, I'm doing enough. Right, um, compar- comparatively to what you were doing before. Yes. Before you were like, you know, you were just maxing out all over the place. And Absolutely. I, I, and I think it was just taking more from you than it was giving you. It really it really was. And and it showed in how I responded to things in life, especially um, with the, the food. And I, I gained a lot of weight in my 20s and I really struggled and I had crazy cravings and so we went into you and I started to go into some food testing stuff and really look at metabolically like testing food and seeing if, if there's something I was doing that was creating threat from a nutritional standpoint. Uh, the first thing we, we, we did was we talked a lot about glucose and the brain being the brain's main source of fuel being sugar, which can be sound kind of scary to people. I think when they first hear like, Hey, right. eat more sugar, you're like, right. okay, well, that's uh, opposite to everything that the that you learn about when you're trying to get healthy. You're trying to cut sugar out and reduce your sugar intake, and that was really mind blowing for me. Maybe you can you can talk a little bit more about how, like, you know, from a neuro standpoint, why sugar, why glucose is so important to the brain. But uh, that was a big game changer for me when I started introducing sugar. In the I used it in the form of juice with my training. While I was training, I would drink what I call my nectar water. Yeah, and I uh, I would combine water with with juice, and I would add salt to that. So I kind of had like a natural electrolyte element to it. Right, and that that was a complete game changer for my training. That just step one, adding sugar to my training while I was training, completely changed my experience with my focus, my quality of training, my ability to maintain a certain level for the period that I needed to, it was completely transformative. So for sure. And you did you did some of this work with Alicia too. Alicia, um, I'll have to have Alicia and I keep talking about like, at some point, we have to do a podcast together. Um, But (laughs) Alicia was guiding you in a lot of that. And actually, one of the things that I remember Alicia doing with you and this was super cool because when I think back to your your struggles with um, your nutritional habits you kind of went down a road and I actually feel like this was almost accidental for you but you almost became this like high intensity athlete that was always intermittent fasting by accident 
because yeah. you were so busy, you were working out essentially all day. And when I mean like working out all day, I mean like, like people need to understand, like when Lila came here in person and I just met her, she was working out all day. Like she even rode 14, she rode her bike 14 miles to the gym when she was here. And so she was riding her bike. We'd also throw in like random hikes, two and a half hour hikes, you know, here in the mountains. And then she would have a morning training session, maybe with like Tom or something. And then she would do an afternoon training session with me. And we do a lot of like mobility work and neuro stuff, um, but also some, some intense, um, some intense training as well. And so she was kind of like maxing out and it was kind of like, oh, there's not really time to eat food. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember sort of like getting you to just helping you to see that. And I think what it was doing for you was like disrupting your eating habits. Cause yeah. how many times did I say to you early on, Hey, do you eat before this session? And you were like, yeah. uh, I might've forgot today. Right. And, and you started to pick up on how important fueling yourself for the work that you were doing was, but yeah, your eating habits have come a very long way. And I think that's been, been huge for you too. And we talked a lot about, um, like some of the cravings and stuff you were having, and you'd be the person that kind of would, um, basically binge eat at the end of the day because you were working out all day. Um, so in that time, I think for you with your eating habits getting disrupted, there was sort of a lack of awareness for certain things that based around nutrition and interestingly some of those things we take for granted but like knowing when you're hungry right yeah, and you know versus like knowing when you're thirsty versus you know knowing when you're full um like all those things that we take for granted actually are learned skills and yes. i remember when you were working closely with alicia she was having you basically do like a log and and you can correct me um because i don't fully remember the whole thing but you were logging i think it was like you would eat a meal and then you would log like how you felt like how you felt after eating that food yeah so Stuff this like was that. really this was interesting because she basically did with me with food and my nutrition what you were doing with me with movement and oh that's 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 so, clever that you're right yeah yeah, so ba so we were we were basically testing foods to see it, which foods were were giving me a threat response and which ones were were a positive response. How we did that, we measured glucose. So I pricked myself. I can't remember exactly how I would do it, but I measured my body temperature, my heart rate, and glucose level before and after eating. Uh, about 20 minutes before eating and one or two hours after. It was very tedious and it required a it lot is. of but I did that for almost a whole summer, I believe. And we, we picked one meal. So I, I think I picked lunch, for example, like after training. And so I would just kind of, at the beginning, I was just like, okay, I just ate whatever, whatever I wanted. And then I test it. And, and there were a couple things that came up that, that blew my mind. One was my glucose levels were almost diabetic. And as a, as a lean athlete to see glucose levels that were really high kind of freaked me out, honestly, and made me realize, okay, something needs to change here. Like I need to, I need to make a life change because this is not okay. This is not 
it, it was the visual representation of, I am not healthy. Something's wrong here. And, right. and then a bunch of foods that I were eating were, were creating a really negative response. So I would eat heart rate would, you know, a positive me metabolic response. Your heart rate's going to gently increase a little bit. Your body temperature is going to increase a little bit. You're going to feel warm. You're fueled. You're, you're adding right. fuel to the fire, like logs on a fire. And I was getting the opposite response. I would eat something. I would get colder. My heart rate would go down. Glucose levels would spike. And it was a such a fascinating uh, exploration. And what I learned from that is I found one meal that worked really well for me. And it sounds stupidly simple, but it was two eggs with a piece of toast and some juice. And I kid you not, after doing that, I started eating that after every single training session, I would just eat the same thing. So I'd go work out, I'd go do our stuff at the gym, go do the dojo, come back. I would eat my eggs, drink my juice. And I did that over the whole summer. And without even realizing it, I lost 10 pounds, but in a really healthy way, all of my sugar cravings completely disappeared. I don't even eat dessert now anymore. I have no desire for it. Like, I can take a bite of something and then I can take a bite of a cookie and then leave the rest of the cookie. And it's crazy because uh, I thought it was something I would never be able to overcome because it was so intense. And just having that simple testing of, of yeah. healing my metabolism through this, through the nectar water during training, and then just having picked a single meal that, that fueled my body at the right time after training that I knew was a metabolically positive response. Uh, right. it, it changed my life. It, it really is something that I attribute to changing my life. And it also- I, I like, go, go ahead, ahead, sorry. I was gonna say it also internally uh, as a woman, you know, I had some issues with my menstrual cycle and I actually didn't have my, my period for about 10 years. And I thought it was normal as an athlete and, and doctors will make excuses like that saying, oh yeah, like it's not good that you don't have it, but pretty common for athletes at the highest level. And I was, right. I was thinking, are you sure about that? Like, you know, I was, I, I got to a point where I really wanted to, to regulate that because after talking to you and Alicia, it, it made me realize this is not just about my health as a woman, female health, but this is a, this is a sign that something's, that something's not working. And if you can heal that if you can get your menstruation menstrual cycle back uh things are gonna it's a it's a sign that your metabolic health is is flowing better yeah that's awesome i remember when that happened for you you were like wow like this yeah. is actually th th that was a big turning point for you because as a professional athlete you know female professional athlete if you're not getting your period it's actually something we can look at as a disadvantage for your yeah. performance and I think the, all the work that you did, and, and let me just back up and say that that summer that you did that meal testing and that work with Alicia and, you know, it, that was the starting point for you. It was like a catalyst, that one high payoff meal. I really like how you compared the training that we do because it's the same philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. We're saying we need to reduce threat to improve our performance. And so instead of looking for high payoff exercises to do that, we're looking for high payoff foods and nutritional yeah. habits. And so you started implementing that stuff and taking it further than just that one high payoff meal. So like this now I've, I've seen you now implement this, you know, into your, 
into your uh, nutritional habits well beyond just a single meal, which I think has been huge for you. So, so that has been really cool to watch. But when you had the improvements in your hormonal health, that's when I really started to see a shift in you in all ways, not just the uh, physical ones, but I do want to mention this because this is huge. Two things, actually. When, uh, when a person is very compromised in terms of their fuel capacity, one of the telltale signs of that is floating pain. And that's what you had a lot of very chronically, especially when we first started, like one day it was your shoulder, you do something for the shoulder, then it was your neck, you do something for your neck, then it was your lower back, do something for your lower back, now it's your hip and your knee. And basically what you see is these pain symptoms floating around through the body because you're under higher levels of threat and you know stress. So that was a telltale sign. The other big one that I remember when you were most compromised um, regarding fuel was your challenge with remembering movement. Oh, yeah, I remember that. that yeah. Was so like, to, and this is going to sound crazy to you. I'm going to remind you of something. But when we first started getting into like a lot of kettlebell training together, uh, you had had some previous experience with kettlebells, but I, I started cleaning things up for you. And... Um, we started just doing basic kettlebell swings. And um, I remember like taking you through, you know, a progressive process in session and watching you get to a point in session where you were swinging a kettlebell really, really well. And I was like, that's it. That's the money. Like, that's what we want. And you were like, okay, got it. I got it. Nice. Like, I feel that in my body. And then a few days later, we get together. Hey, let's pick up that kettlebell again. And you're back to not being he able forgot. to swing it properly. Temp yep. the, the rhythm was gone. The tempo was gone. You know, all the coordination, even your stability would look, you know, very off. And, and we would see this in a lot of different ways with your movement. And you would always then, when I brought this up to you, you would say, you are describing exactly my biggest challenge with ski racing. Mm -hmm. Because you were having a hard time learning right and and getting your uh getting your body to really dial in the new maps that you were building through training and retaining and, them in retaining them and that is the key word thank you for <laughs> using that word retaining them because guess what when you're learning to move and you're becoming a better athlete if you don't have the right fuel capacity to support that then retaining what you're learning is extremely difficult. And when you started telling me that that was happening to you on the hill as a ski racer, I was like, okay, this is a big deal. Yeah. So in especially the last two years, I've gone from, see, when we do sessions together, I'm early on, I'd be like, okay, she's, she's going to have some fuel stuff going on when she starts the, the session with me. So we're going to have to do some breathing work. We're going to have to do some air hunger work. We're going to have to do something in the moment to help her with fuel. And of course I'd be, you know, saying, Hey, Lila, don't forget to eat, bring your, bring your juice, you know, your nectar water, water, as you call it. And we would start there, but little by little, as you implemented the better nutritional habits, the high payoff meals and all of it, Two years later, 
it's incredible. Like you're a totally different mover. You don't have to be reminded of things. It's just like just the other day when we were on a call, we were using the steel clubs, weren't we? Yeah. And I was and like, they I did, yeah, how to do this. And then my body just did it. Boom. It was there. It was there. <laughs> and and so that's um, something that really stands out to me about your journey with the metabolic health and improving your yeah. fuel capacity, because now you're retaining so much more, which is so key for your success. It's a big one. And I. I, I'm not perfect. I still don't fuel properly. And there are some times where I have to compensate or because of the situation, I don't, I don't eat or I don't do things come up. Yeah, they come up, they come up, but I'm aware of it and I, I can monitor it and I'm feel, I feel it in my body. And sometimes I think you see that too, when we're on a call where I might be totally just fried mentally and just not and I'll have to ask you to remind me about something or it, things will be going slow. And then other times I'm just on fire. I'm, I'm firing on all cylinders. And, uh, but I'm constantly, I'm constantly monitoring that in my body. So right now I could tell you like in my day today, like I, I know that based off of the last couple of days, I haven't fueled as well as I've needed to, whether that's with sleep or food uh, consistency of all of that because of some social responsibilities, some load on my body. And I'm aware of that. So what do I do in that situation? I, my training load, I, I look for a different minimum effective dose than what maybe I normally would do. So instead of right. compensating and pushing and going for like a really long bike ride or, or doing a max strength workout at the gym, like I, I make sure number one is metabolic health. So I make sure I'm fueling myself first before I go do any sort of movement. Movement is kind of secondary to, right. to ensuring that I'm, I'm eating and drinking well and getting what I need from that standpoint. But yeah, the retention has been fascinating. And in the last two years, I have seen my, my skiing really improve and almost get simplified to the point where it feels too simple. It's almost like the, the solution has to be more complicated. Right. And it's not, it's, it's really not, it's, it's super simple. And, and that goes kind of back to the decision-making and realizing when I'm up, up on the mountain, wanting to, to learn something, I'm, I'm not really introducing anything new or that I haven't already learned or heard about in the past. I'm just kind of refining at this point, what, what is right in front of me. And it's stupidly simple. I almost feel like I'm dumbing down because I don't have to think so much about what I need to do. I just have to go do the movement. And that, that is a, that is a big fuel based, um, improvement for sure. Oh yeah. That's that. Those are great points. That's awesome. I can, like I was saying, I can, I can see that so obviously with our time together in training for sure. And to, to the last thing I want to say about that is it's really motivating Taylor as an athlete, to be on this impossible quest sometimes it feels very challenging and never ending to feel progress within the process is mm. one of the biggest motivating factors for me to have gone through it's almost like input equaled an output and you don't always see that in a sport where everything kind of feels vague and you can get lost in the training and lost in the progression and lost in the process, you have to trust it, but it's hard to trust it when you don't see any results. And through right. the work that we've done, I have seen actual tangible 
explainable results. And that's been profound in motivating me to continue with what I'm doing personally, with what I'm doing with you professionally with skiing. It's been really inspiring. That's awesome. So let me ask you this, and this will kind of start to wrap things up for us. What advice do you have for athletes or really for anyone who's relating to or struggling with some of the symptoms and things that you talked about with uh, with metabolic health? What advice can you give people um, based on some of the things that we discussed? I think <clears throat> two things. One is to explore the idea of less being more. So, so really as an athlete, you're constantly wanting to get better and be, be better than everyone around you, better yourself. And it's easy to start reaching out into a lot of places sporadically looking for the new it thing, the new novelty that the new movement that's going to make you faster or stronger than your competitor. And the secret as a professional athlete is in doing what you're doing now consistently as right. good as you possibly can consistency is going to trump that novelty almost every time especially when you have a coach who is by your side and whom you can trust and they they kind of it, it's it's worth the investment to have a coach to help guide you through that process but it's also your responsibility as an individual to say like hey i don't need to um do this exercise that I saw on Instagram because they said it's going to be the game changer and it's going to change everything about what I need for to be more explosive in my movement. But I actually just need to consistently like do the things that I'm doing now over time with the intention to do them with purpose. And that ultimately is going to give you more benefit than goose chasing the next it thing in the, in the athletic industry. And so that, that's a big one. And then the other one is just, uh, is just like we talked about with the, the metabolic health, really prioritizing, paying attention to what you're feeling in your body. And if you have any issues, whether that's the hormonal issues, or you maybe have issues surrounding food or drinking or any of those, those are, those are signs. Those are signals. That's your brain telling you like, Hey, help, like, listen to me, pay attention to me. Uh, those are going to be the things that increase your performance more than putting more weight on the bar or going and doing all of this athletic training. While that's the more the fun stuff, more the stimulating stuff, more the stuff as an athlete that you want to be doing, it has to come from the inside first. And then the compounding interest effect of that over time, as you've seen, working with me for four years, I went from feeling, you know, like super slow progress at the beginning to now being kind of at the peak of my game and, and getting better and feeling like I'm just getting started. It takes time. So yeah, those, those would probably be my biggest pieces of advice. And then pure patience. Once you find those things and once you're on that journey, do not give up. It's going to take sometimes years to heal this stuff. And that's one of the you know, key skills of, of an athlete or a person who wants to get better is they, they trust that things take time and they're willing to put the work in knowing that they're on a path of healing themselves. 
I love it. I love it. I like how you said it comes from the inside first with all the, the metabolic health. Cause that really, really is, does. that's your foundation. It really is. And the brain, the brain doesn't lie. The brain, as you know, doing all of the neurology, it, it's, it's, it, uh, it's very talkative. If you're willing to, to listen to it, it will, it will tell you a lot and it can become a, an incredible strength. And like I said, I'm, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. I still have things that I'm working on. I still need to learn how to fuel myself better, but I, I trust my brain and I know when it's telling me something hurts, like, Hey, just pay attention to me. Like, let's, let's improve something here. And I have the tools now through working with you to do that. Awesome. Well, you've done an exceptional job and I've just really, really enjoyed our time together and have, I've learned a ton, you know, uh, over these four years coaching you. Um, how can people follow your athletic journey? They can go to teamlila.com if they want updates on racing. They want to learn more about me as a person. They want to see what my journey is all about. I also have a Facebook page, Lila Lapania athlete Facebook page. And probably the one that I'm on the most is my Instagram page, which is at Lila Lapania, L-I-L-A-L-A-P-A-N-J-A. I always tell people it rhymes with lasagna. And that's, nice. how, that's how they typically remember <laughs> my last name. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, I part of my journey as an athlete, as a, as a more mature, experienced athlete is, is sharing this experience with other people you know, with younger athletes or other people who, who really want to be healthy and athletic and inspired through movement and sport in their lives. This is, this is part of what my journey as an athlete is all, all about now. And I really feel, I love being able to have this, this talk with you, Taylor, because I, this is something that I want to share with other athletes. I mean, if we can start showing the new generations, how, how great training can be and where they don't have to sacrifice their health to, to be at the top of their game. Uh, we're going to create some amazing athletes who are just healthier overall and, and trust themselves. And that's something that I've been, that I've struggled with in my career for a very, very long time and a gift that I would love to give to people. All right, there it is. If you want to learn more, please follow the podcast, check out the Strength and Mobility Dojo, and come along for the ride. I promise you'll learn valuable lessons and build a tool set that will help keep you training pain-free for years to come. Thanks so much for listening.